So like we said earlier today, Mark, today we start our series called It Is Well, a study on the character named Joseph found in Genesis 37, Genesis 37, and this morning we will be verses 1 through 10. Would you turn there with me? Genesis 37. 1 through 10. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. And this is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the son of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that the father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. And Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to the dream I had. We were binding up sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of the dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. past Sunday, my wife and kiddos were in Denver, and they were at a funeral. And I was here, I've got juggling a lot of things with basketball and church and life in general, um, and was not able to go, but I was watching uh, via a live stream to the service, and the service was a celebration of life, a funeral for my uncle Tom. You know, Uncle Tom, let me explain him to you. He was a larger-than-life man. He was 6'3", 6'4", 300-plus pounds. He was a large, large man. If you met him, you'd think maybe he was in the you know WWF wrestling tournament or something, right? He raced motorcycles. He raced with his brothers in uh, a team called Four Dukes Racing Team because they raced Ducatis together. He owned an auto body shop. He helped plant Eastern Hills Community Church, the church that I used to work for in Denver, and was married to one of the best aunts ever, my Aunt Sherry. Six years ago, Uncle Tom and Aunt Sherry, they got a phone call. The phone call that you don't want to get from the doctor, and the confirmation was that he had cancer. And they started some different treatments Some of those treatments were more effective than others, but six years of wear and tear, of ups and downs, of getting good reports and then bad reports, that that things were maybe slowing down, and then finally that things had um, progressed severely. 
until about two weeks ago when um, Jesus took my Uncle Tom to be with him. And, and I watched that uh, celebration of life, and I was kind of glad I wasn't there because I was kind of a mess. And um, my dog was laying next to me on the couch, and I'm watching this, and I think the dog thought something was really, really wrong. And tears are streaming down my face as they're singing worship songs and as they're praising God and as they're celebrating Tom's life. And, and in the midst of it all, something caught my eye, and I thought, man, I can't, I can't miss this. I can't miss this. There was, this, there was a, a Ducati motorcycle up there, and there was a bunch of Uncle Tom's different things. They were giving away chamois because he loved chamois, and he loved cleaning with chamois. And then in one corner of the stage in the platform, there was this big chalkboard sign. And on the chalkboard sign, there were three words written. It is well. And I sat on those, and I sat on those, and I thought, wow, isn't that interesting? I mean, I planned this sermon series a long time ago and called it It Is Well. And last Sunday, I sat and watched my Aunt Sherry celebrate the life of her husband who was taken at 63 years of age. And yet she could sing, raise her hands, and say, It Is Well. These words were made famous by the composer Horatio Spafford. Uh, After the death of his daughters, he pinned the song that if you grew up in church starts with the words, when peace like a river. A couple years ago, Bethel uh, Church in Redding, California, remade that song, and we sing it and we'll be singing it throughout this series. And they simply called the song, It Is Well. And this morning I want to ask you, can that be true? I mean, can that be, can that possibly be true? As I stared at the chalkboard sign and I thought about my uncle who had lost, he could have had lots more years of life and yet they could say it is well. I wanted to almost ask my Aunt Sherry, like reach to the screen, Aunt Sherry, is it really well? And the tears and the sadness in this moment, is it really well, and that's what we want to ask in this series. Is it well? Can it really be well when the marriage is falling apart? Can it really be well when the bank account has gone to nothing? Can it really be well when you get the call from the doctor that yes, it is cancer? Can it be well? I think this is one of the most important questions that we can ask. And it's the primary question for our series. How are we able to say it is well in all seasons of life? How, how can we possibly say, how can we be people that can say it is well in all seasons of life? And our primary character for this question is a man by the name of Joseph. A man by the name of Joseph. Don't be confused. This isn't Jesus' dad. This is previous to Jesus, before Jesus' time. Okay? This is Joseph. Somebody, some of you have heard this story. You know Joseph, right? He's got 11 brothers. 
and his father is Israel. He becomes uh, one of the tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel, God's chosen people, the people that are sort of, their, their journey is charted throughout the Old Testament. They are God's chosen people, and throughout the Old Testament, their story unfolds. Some of you grew up with that story. Some of you know that he had this this. Uh, ornate coat. Some of you maybe didn't know the story, but you went to Broadway one time. You were in New York, and there was this there was this amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat character, right? And Donny Osmond, I believe, was playing the lead role in that. Am I right? Okay. And he danced around, and they sang, "Hey, hey, hey, Joseph." And there was this Pharaoh character who I actually played in high school and the remake of this. Um, and uh, he was sort of an Elvis-type character. Maybe you heard about it there, or maybe you haven't heard about it at all. Maybe you never heard the story of Joseph, and I'm so excited to share it with you in these next five weeks, because here's Joseph. Joseph is a normal, youngest son who goes through great trials, great lows, great highs in life. In this short story that's only a few chapters long, we will encounter betrayal. We will encounter imprisonment. We will encounter people lying about him. We will encounter people forgetting about him. We will, for, we will hear about him being completely restored. And I think he's a character that we can all in some way, shape, or form relate to. With And so my hope is for you that in one of these series, this will really connect with you at where you are at right now, that you might be able to say it is well, and that for the foundation of your life, you may be able to walk into these moments that are, that are difficult and be able to say it is well. Joseph, the youngest son of Israel, 11 brothers, and he's introduced to us. And there's three things we need to notice about Joseph right out of the gate. Number one, he is favored. He's favored. So it says this, now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. One of these great uh, themes throughout scripture is that often God likes to surprise those who are of old age with babies, right? Um, Abraham and Sarah, they were barren for many, many, many years. Abraham gets to right around 100 years old and suddenly baby's coming. Uh, for a hundred year old, God likes to send these surprises. And because of that, sometimes the parents hold on to their kids a little tightly, right? So Israel, this is my translation, Israel is a helicopter parent for Joseph, okay? He likes Joseph. He loves Joseph just a little bit more than all his brothers. Maybe it's because he didn't expect him, right? But maybe it's just because they just had a lot of things in common. Maybe he looked like him. We don't know that. But what we know is that he was favored. He was his favorite. Parents, I'm not going to ask you which kid is your favorite. I'm not going to do that to you right now, okay? It's probably a bad idea, in fact, to have a favorite. As you read throughout this story, you're going to find out that there were some, there were some different sides to being the favorite than just being favored all the time. But Joseph, as we introduce to him, is favored. He's one of these guys who walks around and says, I'm the favorite. I'm favored. And maybe you've run into this person or maybe you've been this person, right? You have these seasons of life where you feel favored. 
Maybe you're in a great season of life right now and you feel like, you know what, me and God, we got this special thing going on. Nobody knows about it, but I'm his favorite, right? <laughs> like on Jesus' iPhone, there's a picture of me, right? I'm his favorite. And, and, and truly, we have these seasons of life where we feel very favored, right? We have seasons where we feel more favored than other seasons of life. And for some of us in the room, maybe you're feeling favored right now. Things are going really well for you. You're in a great season of life. Things, things are healthy for you and, and happy for you. You're, you're, you're doing pretty well. And, and when somebody welcomed you to church and said, how are you doing? And you actually said, I'm well, you weren't lying. You were telling the truth because you felt favored. Well, that's what Joseph was feeling. He was favored. Next, he was privileged. He was privileged. Goes on to say this. Israel made him an ornate robe. He made him an ornate robe. This is where uh, the Technicolor Dreamcoat thought comes from. Is that this was this, this beautiful robe. And to signify that he was his favorite, he gave him this special robe. He gave this, this special recognition. In one of the commentaries that I read this week, it said it was a privileged position that Joseph was in. And I think, well, what, a, what an interesting word. We, we understand that he's favored and we understand that he's privileged. And I'm not going to make you raise your hands, but some of us in the room are privileged. And some are more privileged than others. And this is a big, uh, a big political debate, and I'm not going to get into that. But I do want to say this, uh, especially, especially if you live in the United States of America, you are privileged. You're privileged, right? You have things other people don't have, right? You don't wake up going, do I have clean water today? You don't. Guess what? There's a lot of people that woke up this morning in the world, and they thought to themselves, do I, do I have clean water? But we didn't think about that, right? We woke up this morning, we brushed our teeth. A lot of people don't have toothpaste, right? They don't have that. We, after we brushed our teeth, we sat down on a thing called a toilet, and our bad stuff, it went away from the house, right? A lot of people don't have that. The stuff doesn't go away with the magical flush of the handle. And when it doesn't go away, we call somebody because it's not going away, right? Right? I don't, I don't want to get into this huge debate about levels of privilege and those kind of things, but I want you to understand um, some of you are much more privileged than others. I had this conversation with uh, some of my uh, basketball boys. I, I coach the varsity team here at the school, and um, I've said to them, you know, you guys, you're privileged, and you've got life really good. And one of the things that it can do to you is it can make you soft. And so what's really interesting is we go into towns that they're not as privileged as us. And for some reason, they play harder than us. They're more gritty than us because they've had to earn everything in their life. And I've talked to these, these kids over and over and I say, hey, you've got great privilege, but that also means you have great responsibility. I mean, if, you have, if you're favored and if you're privileged, man, God wants a lot out of your life. You should leverage that for the good of others. And we need to recognize that we're like Joseph in this way. We are those who are privileged. I read a great book by Malcolm Gladwell. He's a he's he's a interesting uh, New York Times bestseller. He wrote a book called Blink. And he talked about just interesting things about privilege, about how um, this, is, this is one of the most interesting ones I, I thought was um, in Fortune 500 companies... It's about 80% of the CEOs have one thing in common. About 80% of them have one thing in common. And it's very weird. 
And it is that they're six foot two and over. Isn't that interesting? So if you're under six foot two, right, you're not as privileged. And I thought about that. I read that a couple years ago and started looking around at CEOs and people who are powerful and influential. I thought, man, they're all over six foot two. This is crazy, right? And I thought about myself. I thought, man, am I, am I like, am I, I'm, I'm privileged. I'm, I'm a little over six foot two, right? I mean, there's these interesting pieces of our privilege and we need to recognize them. And then what we need to do is we need to, we need to um, use them for the good of others. So he was favored. He was privileged. He had this ornate robe. He, his dad gave him specific privileges that his brothers didn't have. When his brothers are all working, he's just going to check in on them. He's privileged. And he's lastly a dreamer. He's a dreamer. Two times in here it says Joseph had a dream. And his dream was that they're out in this field and there's 11 sheaves and they all sort of stand up as the brothers are harvesting the grain and they all bow down to his sheaf. I don't know if he thought that was going to go over really well with his brothers, but apparently he did, so he tells them this. And then he says, hey, I got another dream. And in this one, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars are all bowing down to me. Once again, I don't know how he thought this was going to turn out, why he's telling this story, but he's a dreamer. He's got his head in the clouds. Some of us are dreamers, right? Some of us have these great dreams, Especially if you're favored and you're privileged. A lot, a lot of us would say, man, I've got some favor in my life. I feel quite privileged in my life. I dream big dreams. Any of you parents tell your kids this? You can be anything you want to be, baby girl. Right? I, like, I, I, say, I talk that way to my daughter. And in the back of my head, I'm like, well, there's certain things probably you're not going to. But, but, but. <laughs> right? Right? You can be anything you want to be. Right, Ava? I say that kind of stuff. You're going to change the world, don't I? Right? And I believe that because I'm a dreamer. And some of us in the room are dreamers. We dream of God doing incredible things through us. And Joseph was a dreamer. He was favored. He was privileged. And he was a dreamer. And for Joseph, this first chapter, it was well because it was well. Right? For Joseph in this first scene, it is well when it is well. He's favored. He's privileged. He's got big dreams. And some of us in the room can identify with this right now. And and, and that's a great position for us to be in. That's fantastic. I'm so glad you're favored. I'm so glad you're privileged. I'm so glad you're a dreamer. I have have had these moments in my life as well. And man, when it is well, sometimes it feels really well, right? And so there there are those of us in the room right now that are feeling like, man, life life is pretty pretty good. But I want to give you two, um, two thoughts about that. As we close up. So two closing thoughts for those of us who are doing well right now. Number one, realize that others might not be as well. Realize that others might not be as well. So there's this line repeated over and over in this story. Joseph does something and then his brothers, what? They hated him. And then Joseph does something else and then they what? They hated him. And then he tells them a dream, and they hated him all the more. 
And the reality is for Joseph's brothers, things are not as well as they are for Joseph. And for those of us who are doing well, we need to recognize that others might not be doing as well. That means being empathetic. It means pulling our head out of the clouds sometimes and coming back down to earth so that we can see into the pain, see into the hurt, see into where other people are if they're not well, even if we are well. Let me lighten the mood on this. So next week, there's going to be a football game, okay? And there's one team that nobody's cheering for. Let's be honest. The L.A. Rams, okay? Like, maybe you... Did anybody grow up in St. Louis and you were, you're actually like a St. Louis Rams fan? Does anybody know... Does anybody in here know that they were actually in St. Louis? Okay, some of you, a couple of you. Okay, good. All right. So there's not a ton of L.A. Rams um, fans. How many of you are rooting for Tom Brady? Raise your hand. Okay, good, great, awesome. We're not going to boo you right now. Later. Um... How many of you are just rooting against Tom Brady? Come on. Be honest. Be honest, right? Right? (laughs) Haters gotta hate. That's the point, right? Haters gotta hate. I mean, there's this great, uh, if, you, if you follow college basketball, uh, there's this great 30 for 30 put out by ESPN called I Hate Christian Leitner. And it goes through all the reasons why Christian Leitner from uh, Duke University was so hated. And a lot of what, what, what I'm talking about here is a lot of what people look at with, they look at guys like Tom Brady or they look at very successful people, that they're favored, they're privileged, that they're a dreamer. Um, and we need to recognize um, our own sort of what's going on in our own heart when we look at those people. And those people need to recognize what's going on in our hearts as well, right? In this story, uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of naive of Joseph to walk around and, and tell all these stories and think that everything's going to go peachy, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's pretty naive to walk around and say, hey, let me tell you this dream where you're going to bow down to me. And so for those of you who are doing well, what I want you to think about this week is, who in my life is not doing well? Who in my life is not in the privileged position that I'm at? Who in my life is not feeling very favored right now? Who in my life is not dreaming big dreams? And how can I love them? How can I care for them? How can I come alongside of them? Because not everybody's doing as well as you might be doing. Number two, I want you to enjoy it. Because it might not last. As we dive into the story of Joseph, this isn't going to last for Joseph. And things are going to take a turn for the worst very, very quickly. And, um, and this is how life is. We have, we have sayings. We have sayings like, well, that's just life. Right? Like, we, we know that there are these moments when things are not going to be favored, where things are not going to feel privileged, where things are not going to feel like a dream. They're going to actually feel like a nightmare. And so I want you to enjoy when you're doing well, because there are going to be moments in your life when it's going to be harder to say it is well. I want to invite you to join me for the next four weeks on this journey as we look and learn at Joseph.
and moreover that we learn less about Joseph, less about us, but more about our great and glorious God, Heavenly Father. Thank you for those of us in the room who are in a great season of life, a season where things are well. We know that every good and perfect gift is given from the Father above. And so we're thankful. We thank you, God, that we can be here right now and that we have little concern about this moment. We're not worried about somebody breaking in here and stopping this gathering. We worship you in freedom here in this moment. And so, God, we, we feel a deep sense of privilege, a deep sense of favor. And, God, we thank you for that. We thank you that you love us, that you do call us your beloved. We do thank you um, that there are moments when it truly is well because it is simply well. And yet, God, um, for many of us in the room, it, it isn't well right now. And I, I ask God that for those of us it is well, that we would be those who would quickly empathize and minister and love those who are not in the same place as us. I pray that we would leverage everything that we have been given from you for the good of those who need to know the good news that it is well in you. I pray, Jesus, that you would um, draw us to you, draw us to each other in this series. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.